Welcome to all our furry and not-so-furry listeners to another week of What the Bark. Each week we dive into a different area of the dog world to learn more and have a bit of a laugh along the way. I'm joined as always by my partner in crime, Genetic George. George, how are you doing today? Doing well, Nathan. I think we're in um, down in Victoria lockdown 7.0. So coping and doing well. And I'm really excited about today's guest because... My hair looks a mess. Well, that's what I was thinking. I'm, you know, if I can get a haircut before Christmas, then I'll be very, very lucky. Um, and I'm sure that our furry friends are also uh, stuck in lockdown and having uh, some some bad hair days. So we thought, what better time to bring on board someone who can help us learn a bit more about dog grooming? And we're really excited today to be joined by Tish Pelchin. Uh, she's not only a dog groomer, she's also a breeder on Rightpaw. Uh, and she also runs her own salon, the Tish Touch, uh, which is in Golgong, just outside of Mudgee. Uh, but really excited to have Tish on board. Tish, welcome. Nathan, Tish, tish Touch. Tish Touch. Am, tish, am I, doing, am I saying that correctly? Yes, the Tish Touch. Thank you for having me on. Good to have you on, Georgia. The Tish Touch, I've got to ask you about that name before we even move on. Why the Tish? It's not too shy, the Tish Touch. Three, the two. Tish Touch. Yes, the Tish Touch. Actually, one of my clients came up with it. I had a competition on what they thought I should have my name as, and that was the most popular one, the Tish Touch. I love it. It's almost as good as What the Bark, the Right Paul podcast. <laughs> I think Tish Touch rolls off the tongue a little bit uh, more nicely. Well, you know, Tish, welcome. When Nathan said we're having you on, I tried my best to groom myself, but unfortunately <laughs> the wind got to me. My hair's all over, the, all over the place. Nathan, once again, is looking, you know, much better than myself, but Nathan, Tish today has groomed herself and looking well as well. I'm a mess. Thank God it's only audio, Tish. Yes, thank goodness. <laughs> I know. I think um, everyone's uh, hair's sort of going a bit crazy during this lockdown period. And Tishy, I was going to say, have you seen any uh, any crazy dog situations? I imagine you've you've probably uh, also been in lockdown as well. But gosh, you must be fearing for dogs everywhere at the moment. Um, yes, yes, I absolutely am. I'm trying to. T- I've had a lot of messages from clients asking what are they to do while they can't come and see me. And I've said, please, please, please don't start hacking at them with scissors. That is not what we do. So just hang in there. Uh, yeah, it's interesting because I did see on social media that they were even pleading with our premier here. Can we please at least gro- get groomers open? It was like one of the third most important items. So people are obviously just letting their dog's hair just grow and grow and interesting. Yes, sometimes we do like to all think we're around groomer and get the scissors out and it's a no-no. Is that right, Tish? No, no. Absolutely. The amount of cut ears that I've seen in my time because people think, oh, I'm just going to cut that knot out and don't realise that the leather is underneath. Yeah, it's not, not fun. Mm. Look, I've had a cut ear when I even go to a human hairdresser, Tish, so I know... <laughs> The feeling, you know, when you're talking and you move a bit, the dog doesn't tend to keep still. Maybe we can start with just how how you got into got into grooming. Yeah, I would love to hear a bit about yeah how 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 did the spark sort of start for you? Um, well, I was born into dogs um, and dog showing and long coated dogs. I actually fell into grooming. I didn't realise or know that dog grooming businesses even existed. I thought if you had a long coat dog, you had to look after it and groom it yourself. Um, But while I was at school, I was employed as a professional handler 
um, showing some standard poodles and that lady owned a dog grooming business and she offered me a job so I started at the bottom just bathing, blow drying and grooming. So that's where my sort of love for it began um, and I haven't looked back, I've been, this is my 22nd year this year. Wow. Poodles would be such an interesting place to start. I mean, just the amount of hairstyles that you can have with it with one standard poodle. Absolutely. The can of hairspray that goes into the updo for the show and then that doesn't end there because then they have to go home and rewash and blow dry and another three, four hours of getting it all out again. So, yeah, great pace to start, but so much work. The show. You know, every, every time when you think of grooming, everyone always pictures the poodle because, of course, it's the one that seems to be the most glamorous and has a, a cut that, you know, if you get it right, looks fantastic. But well, it's almost every, almost every breed needs a bit of a groom um, in some way, from a wash to. Um, but what I've always wondered: what is the importance of um, grooming when you're in the show? You know, maybe let me know if I'm in the show ring. Is grooming something that a judge looks at, just the way it's cut and the way it's groomed? Absolutely, presentation is a very big part of showing your dog. Oh, so the way it looks presented, okay. And there's a particular st standard that you've got to cut it to. Is that when you, if I'm, if I'm clipping, if I'm clipping a poodle, is there a particular standard? Have you ever seen a poodle enter the show ring and not have? You know how they usually shave the back legs and the. Is that something that's and a bit of the tail? Is that a standard cut? Or what do you call that? That's called the continental when you have the rosettes yeah. on their kidneys uh, and yes. the shaved legs. Yeah. Yes, so that's the Continental. I don't want to get into poodles because I'm definitely not a poodle expert. <laughs> but, um, but yes, they do have a, a standard sort of cut that they would like poodles to be in once they get to a certain age. Yeah, I see the recent winner at the... Um... Yeah, the Sydney Royal was a, was a poodle. Yes, amazing so poodle. Letitia, if the poodle is not your cut, what is your breed of... your cut of breed? What do you call the breed of cut or cut of breed? <laughs> breed of choice. Breed of my choice, my breed, actually. Oh, when it comes to cutting, actually, I probably my number one favourite breed to groom is the miniature Schnauzer. Ah, uh, yes. Love yeah. the eyebrows. Yeah. It's all about the yeah. eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, the eyebrows. It's, I can see it's almost the little Griffon is similar in a way with that mm. beard. But yeah, I do see. You know, you can you, sometimes you can look at a miniature Schnauzer that's not groomed correctly, and you don't even, you don't even know what breed it is. It can be almost absolutely. Yeah. Changes the whole outlook, doesn't Changes it? Changes the whole look, yeah. 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 And, and that's my favourite, that's one of my favourite facts about the, the Schnauzer is that apparently Schnauzer is German for beard. So I guess it, it makes sense in terms of the clip that you'd be doing. Absolutely, yes. And so, I mean, we, we touched on it before, but I, I know for a fact that your breed of choice definitely requires a lot of grooming. So maybe uh, you can tell our listeners about uh, the little uh, dogs that you've got running around at home. Okay, my breed, my passion are Sky Terriers. Fell in love with them when I first heard of the story, the true story of Greyfriars Bobby, the little dog that sat on his owner's grave for 14 years after he passed. Mm. So I was a little girl when I first heard that story because it was made into a Disney movie and I was very disappointed that they used a Cairn Terrier and not a Sky. But I've heard there's there's a lot of rivalry. Yeah, a lot of people think it's a Cairn. Oh, so it was actually a Sky Terrier. Yeah, Sky Terrier people aren't very happy about their choice there. And then when they remade the movie, they used a Westie instead of a Sky. But I guess in the movie business, they've got to do what they've got to do. And it's all about the eyes, I guess, with the dog. And our 
guys, you don't generally see their eyes unless you tie their hair back. So I guess that's why they went with the choice that they went with. It might be easier to train too, I'm assuming. But yeah, I fell in love with them when I heard that story and I had to have one. Um, I got my first when I was 13 years of age and he was my absolute best friend, my right arm. Um, and it was very, very hard to to get them. Even now, it's very, very hard to get them. I actually didn't want to become a breeder when I did, but I felt like I had no choice in the matter because if I wasn't going to do it, the breed wasn't going to keep going, not just in the country, but in the world. So. I had to step up and become a breeder. So they don't come from Sky Victoria, where Dogs Victoria's headquarters <laughs> is in Sky. Is that right? No, no. Slightly different. The, the, Isle, the Isle of Sky in Scotland. Yeah, which I actually visited a couple of years ago. I actually went to Sky. The landscape is phenomenal. Uh, it's just such a beautiful place. But no, I didn't see any skies running around. Oh, damn, that's a bugger. Did you see the statues? There's a statue of a prick ear and a drop ear sky there. I did, or have been told. Oh, I don't know. I didn't explore the full island, so I, I might, might have missed it. But for, for, for listeners who haven't seen a sky, Terry, before, you know, what, what, do, they, you know, what do they look like? Because I've got a vision in my head. How would you describe a sky terrier? Um, whenever anyone asks me, I get my phone out because, of course, I've got a million and one photos. But for people that can't actually see... <laughs> I say envision a corgi, but with long hair. Ah, oh, yes, okay. <laughs> and, and so hair, it thinks the best way. Long hair on its face as well? Yes, yes, so you can't see their eyes. Um, that was actually a, a requirement for these guys because they are badger hunters, go down after the badgers. It was meant to protect their eyes. The hair is veiling their eyes to protect their eyes if the badger turns around oh. to bite, so the badger gets hair instead of eyeballs and just being the true geneticist what color do they what's their standard are they coming one particular color or is there a number of colors that are accepted? there is a number of colors um, they all have to have black points so black nose black ears but they can come in cream gray or black i've uh, i've seen some amazing photos uh, of of tisha's skies and and um i don't know I, I this might sound silly but whenever i look at them you know with that that overgrown look at they sort of look a bit like cousin it from the adams family they're sort of just like hair everywhere. The amount of times I've been asked, can they see? Yeah, can they? Because there's a <laughs> that I go to, and she's got one of those those French, what is it, the, the briard, with the, not the briard, but it's got the really long in front of its eyes. Can they see? How do they see through there? Well, honestly, to be honest with you, if you've got the amount of coat that my boy has, I have to tie it up or he does run into things. So I don't think it's very good. But I have been told that it, apparently for them it's like looking through a fly screen. Whether that's true or not, because like I said, I my heavily coated boy. Out of, all, out of all this, out of all the sense, you know, the eyesight is the chorus, the you know, the hearing and the scent is yes. You know, these are two most important. So as long as they can hear well and smell well, the rest of the, the eyesight comes later on. I always like sort of throwing a few questions because when I come on these podcasts, I ask my younger son, you know, give me a question that you who knows nothing about dogs. Would like to um, ask. Ah, uh, excellent. And um, he said to me, "Can you ask the groomer? You know, what's her secret weapon? If you had one tool that you needed, if you were on an island, all you had to take was one tool with you to help you groom and get through. What would it be? It would have to be your metal comb. You know, the combs that have got the medium, medium prongs on one end and the 
there's thinner ones on the other. Yes. You have to have a metal comb. Every single groomer, every single owner of any sort of dog should have a metal comb. You know what? That's what I've got. I've bought it, I bring it into the office and I've got, and it's got the medium grooves on one and it's got a little rubber thing and you flip it over and it's the fine one and it is my only thing that I bring. Now I have other homes, other brushes. I don't have, so you didn't choose any scissors? I would have thought scissors. The comb trumps the scissors. For me, for me, yes, absolutely. Got to have that comb. Another one I've got, dogs versus cats grooming. Um, Oh, I gave up grooming cats a long time ago because I need my limbs. Yeah, you know what? I gave up swabbing cats a long time ago because they are one of the most challenging animals to Unpredictable, swab. very yeah. unpredictable animals. And, yes, I'd much rather groom a dog. Thank you. You know, if they can somehow contort their face so you can't even pinch their cheek to put a swab in there. And, you know, I've even had a guy bring it in once and he's trying to get it out of the cage and he's shaking the cage and the cat wouldn't come out. Everything else is coming out except for the cat. Uh, the cat. Yeah, so yep. it would be Not my idea of fun. <laughs> no, it's okay. They're just on their own wavelength. <laughs> yes. Yep, not my idea of fun yet. I don't do them anymore. Actually, I do do – I lie. I do do one cat. She's 15 years old, been grooming since she was a tiny little kitten and it's like grooming a dog. She's lovely, but that's it. Yeah, so I'm going to ask you probably a dumb question. And I, I struggle to, you know, I bath my dog at home and trying to keep it still is a challenge. I have to put two feet together and hold it while I get the um, water that will handle down. Daddy, have you, you obviously got something to help keep you steady and do you ever get some that just uh, buggers to keep steady? How do you manage those? Um, this one... This one I remember Nathan sending me about the dogs at home if they're hard to handle or don't like being groomed. Yeah. I mean- My, this I cannot stress enough here, perseverance. Do not quit. Do not stop. The worst thing you can do that a dog that is screaming, scratching, biting is stop doing what you're doing. You cannot mm. stop. You must keep going, just keeping on a, a level level ground, keeping yourself level, calm, confident with the dog and just keep going. Do not stop. I will hold on to a leg and the dog will be doing cartwheels and carrying on and biting me, but I just I do not move my hand. I do not let go. I just keep calm, keep talking to them in a, in a level tone and do not stop. And you will be absolutely amazed. Every single dog that starts off that way, as soon as they realize, oh, oh, this is not hurting me, I will stop. And then that's it. You've got that 10, 15 seconds max of a dog carrying on going, I do not like this. But then as soon as you do not give up, do not let go, the dog knows that you're not giving in to their outrageous whatever they are doing at the time. And then they go, oh, oh, okay, maybe this is not hurting. And then the rest of the process usually goes really smoothly. Uh, So persistence pays off. Yeah, absolutely. It's great when we get these guests in, Nathan, because all they really do is reinforce exactly what I thought I was. I thought I was. You're ticking the boxes exactly what I see at home. When I get Charlie in there now, he's comfortable. He can sit in there. He doesn't move around. But he hates the bit of the drying bit. When I get Mary in there, she she really hates um, me holding. I've got to put two feet. I get water everywhere. But she loves the blow dryer and the drying part of it. But you're right. I just keep. And Mary's got better now, just with the third, the third wash. I don't do any clipping or grooming. It's just uh, wash and just towel dry. Interesting. You're right. So just persevere. Yeah. Yes. And, don't and let Tish, them win. Doesn't matter how much water you get all over the place and on you. You just. 
continue doing what you're doing. The key thing I think at home is making sure you get every last bit of soap off them. Sometimes, Absolutely. You know, Very important to make sure we get as, just as dangerous not washing them enough as it is not washing them out enough. Why is it whenever you finish washing them, they always like to go and rub into something that smells or is the backyard and, you know, it's like they did literally you just finished. Uh, they need to get some scent back. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wish I knew because they would, yeah, they always like to leave and go and roll in something dead yes. or manure or disgusting. Yeah, I think that's. That's their idea of perfume. You've robbed them of, yeah, you've robbed them of, of all scents. They need to get some sort of, yeah, some perfume back. But, but that's a really interesting question about, you know, those dogs that don't like being handled or groomed. So, you know, for all of those new puppy parents and, and people who are, you know, have the opportunity to really sort of help socialize their, their young dogs. What's the best way that you can help get a puppy accustomed to, you know, being okay with being groomed and handled? What, what should new owners be thinking about or trying to do? Um, I would strongly suggest and say to new puppy owners, as soon as you've had that second vaccination, get them used to the grooming process as soon as possible. So what I call a puppy desensitization groom. So the first groom, we don't ever do any haircuts or anything major like that because I feel that puppies are taking on enough with the clippers being turned on and just feeling the vibrations all over their body, including around their eyes and their face, around their feet. I usually um, trim out their feet around their little pads, around their eyes, do a hygiene sort of trim, get them used to the nail cutters, the ear cleaner, and then the bath and the blow drying. Um, the process a lot again is um, you'll have a lot of kicking and screaming sometimes when others will just go oh okay this is okay not so bad at all but it's always the first time is the worst and depending on how they cope with it I will ask the clients to come back within a fortnight so it's still fresh in their memory if they seem to go really really well with it I put them on the four to six weekly routine from there so then I guess for you know we've talk, talked about new owners then what what can owners in general do? You know, it, what, what can they implement at home? You know, you know, ongoing routines and things just to sort of keep their dogs looking healthy, looking beautiful. What What would you be saying to to, new, to owners in between grooms? What should they be doing? Oh, well, I'm a firm believer in you need to work from the inside out. I have a lot of people asking me, "What products can you use to make my dog mm. look beautiful, or to stop having that flaky skin, or etc. etc. etc." And I just straight away say back, "What are you feeding?" Um, big advocate for high quality food, whether you're feeding high quality raw or high quality kibble or whatever it is you prefer. But I would strongly suggest getting your dog onto a high quality diet um, because that is what is what you're seeing with their coat on the outside. That's a really good point. I hadn't, I guess I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, it's, it's really true. You know, the, the different diets can have a massive impact on, I guess, like the, the sheen of the coat, the silkiness, you know, are, are there, are there particular ingredients that, that are important there? Or is, you know, I know there's a lot of marketing hype around this type of thing, but is it more just about the high quality diet rather than, you know, a miracle ingredient? Absolutely. A high quality diet, because there's a lots, a, lots of different opinions on what you should feed your dogs. And that's, that's great because I, I think dogs are like humans. So they're all different. And what works yeah. for you might not work for the next person. Um, what work, works for me and my dogs, because I've tried them all working alongside vets for 10 years. Um, I've found what works for my guys because 
I see the sheen on their coat and how healthy they are, what the condition that they're in. So that's what I'll keep doing. Um, I definitely think omega-3s and 6s are important in their diet. Ah, yeah. And, and that comes, I guess, from like, I guess, sort of like the f- fish and things like that as well. Like the, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Ah, very interesting. You know, they're releasing all their natural oils, like human hair, you know. It's, you know, it's the natural oils in there that get them all looking good. And it's it's interesting. It, I see so much food now directed at, you know, skin and hair and oils. So it's, it's obviously um, an area that's important if you want to maintain a good, healthy, shiny cut. I've got an interesting one, you know, because it's when I go to my hairdresser, you know, he always sits me down. You, go, you actually goes, go to one? Fish, mate, <laughs> A distant memory. This is the first guest we've had on that's actually had got the bark at Genetic George here. Oh. <laughs> yeah, when I sit down and the, usually you sit down, Tish, he goes, George, what are you looking for? And I go, look, just give me the, the George Clooney look or give me what's what style he's in. So my question is, what do you get together at these dog grooming conferences and start to talk about what styles are in? Is there a particular yeah. style? Like I heard you say. Is there like the, like well, the you Rachel? Know, you, know what, you know what's in at the moment, don't you? No, tell me. No. The mullet is back. In dogs too? Really? In dogs, yep. Yeah, I've done quite a few that have asked me to give their dog a mullet. Your, this is, this <laughs> that is, this is blowing my tiny mind. Business at the front, party at the back. Yeah, it's not my kind of thing. But some dogs actually look quite cute with the style. I've seen a few on Google. You Google the mullet and actually some pull it off quite well. Is is that possible with all breeds or is, you know, I guess is that a, a look you could give to, to any breed or is it, you know, you know, have to have a certain length of hair, I'd imagine, to be able to get away with that, to pull it off? Yes, they'd have to have a certain length of hair for you to be able to try and grow one <laughs> effectively. That's ridiculous. Do you ever get anyone who drops their dog in and then when they come to pick it up, they almost don't recognise the dog? Yes, quite often. <laughs> is that my dog are you sure that's my dog uh yeah <laughs> yep yeah i'm gonna ask you a controversial one do you ever get any that ask you to dye the hair i haven't i used to work in a grooming salon that used to dye dogs only the fun colors like your, your bright colors okay. um but since i've been working for myself i haven't even been asked that question no so it's not something i've really dwelled into mm-hmm. so you know no one brings you in a show winning poodle and says can you dye this one jet black no, we're not going to go. No, so yeah, it's okay. I'm just yeah. putting them out there, Tish, because I'm not just something. Sort of... Not something that I would do anyway, because I'm not into cheating. Yeah, look, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever get someone who, who brings their dog in and goes, "Oh, can I watch while you're grooming?" Actually, I'm one of the very few groomers that doesn't mind their owners actually staying and watching me groom their dogs. Do you think that has a, a positive effect for the dog if the owner's there or what, what, what do you think? Most, most of the time, no. But some dogs, like your German Shepherds, that get highly anxious when their owners leave, I feel that is a lot better the process with their owners actually standing by and being there with them because they are such high drive, high anxious dogs. Um, I think they actually benefit with their owners being there. But most dogs, especially your little dogs that people tend to baby a lot, they usually are a lot worse. But as soon as the owner sees how 
they go with the grooming process and how I am with them, I think it eases their mind. Yeah, I'm going to tell you about an experience I had, Tish, and I think it's something that every groomer should offer. I, I, I'm going to be honest, I've never taken my... I've never had a breed that really required taking a dog to a groomer. I've had a short hair and I brush them and I wash them at home. But Mary is one that does need grooming, the Griffon, the wire-haired Griffon. So I, this was my first groomer that I reached out to and I went out and booked the appointment. And I honestly think they should have offered me, because this was only a dog that I had for sort of five weeks. And you're right, not only is the dog anxious, but sometimes the owner is too. You know, this is something you're leaving in the hands you know, not of a veterinarian, of a groomer, it would have been nice if she, if they had have said to me, would you like to, I think the first time I'd like to see how they do it. It was never offered to me. I left, literally had to leave this yes. dog there and come Unfortun- and pick it up Unfortunately, the yeah, a lot of groomers do have that policy and that's how they are because a lot of the time the dogs are a lot worse with their anxious owners mm-hmm. watching by because all they want to do is get to them and be with them and it does hinder the grooming process quite a lot so that's Mm -hmm. why a lot of groomers do not offer that as well as it takes a lot longer because i'm a sole trader i work by myself i can leave that sort of appointment time longer to have the client there with me but in busy grooming salons it's just too much and takes way too much time for them to be able to offer that service to people yeah it was just interesting i just thought that offer maybe just for the first time to make sure that um, it works for me, but but yeah, not for a yeah, lot of other groomers. It would take up time. You'd be going, oh, you've got that bit there, and what are you doing there? You, by the time you groom the, uh, yep. the dog, probably questions. Um, it's interesting because when you get, when a human gets their hair cut, the hairdresser is actually one of asks a lot of questions and finds out a lot about the person. Does a, a bit of a chat with dogs. It's just no the last person you want there is a human to take up all your time. Interesting. Well, the whole time the dogs are with me, I'm talking to them. <laughs> I have I have people come in the salon all the time going, who are you talking to? And I'm like, oh, just your dog. <laughs> Even the deaf ones, I can't help it. I think it it, it assists the dogs. Um, I think they feel a lot more calm with the whole process if I'm talking to them the entire time, and I do. I waffle on, on and on and on. My husband keeps saying he wants to start a YouTube channel of me just doing my grooming because he thinks that it'd be hilarious for people to watch. <laughs> so what are some of the, if I'm going to bring a dog in to get groomed, what are some of the requirements that I have to have as an owner? Do you, is, does my dog have to be microchipped? Does it have to be vaccinated? Does it have I, to be... I check all vaccination statuses. Um, before they come in and then I ask all your details so I need a contact phone number if anything happens Um, ask for your consent to be grooming the dog Um, if heavily matted dogs come in I don't have a an actual written contract but I do speak to all of my clients I take the time to speak to them and say look matting is a problem um, and I have to use sharp objects and the shorter I have to go the more possibility of nicks and cuts. Obviously, I've been doing this for a long time, so it's been a long time since I have ever heard a dog, but you always have that risk there, and I just make sure that they know that the more the more matted, the more chance of accidents happening, and they mm-hmm. seem to be really responsive with that if I just tell them up front how it's going to be. And George asked a really good question earlier, which was, you know, maybe there are some owners that haven't ever been to the groomer or that you know they maybe they don't think that they their dog needs to be groomed so i mean i'm curious are, are there dogs that you know you can 
mostly take care of at home and or are there are certain dogs that need to come to the groomer or you know does every dog have a place at the groomer you know how, uh, how well how do grooming requirements differ i guess by breed well obviously you have your your double coated breeds so your huskies and your malamutes and and all those sort of fellas um they usually lose are the ones that lose the hair all over your lounge or your furniture mm. or on the on the ground mm. um they probably don't need as much grooming as all of your oodles like now with oodles people think oh i'm getting a hypoallergenic dog i'm not going to have the hair on my couch on my lounge on my bed yes that might be true but they do still lose hair we just need to manually take it out now so they need a lot more grooming than your average dog so oodles mm must be groomed and must be regularly groomed all mine are on a three weekly schedule on the three weeks they have a what i call a bath and tidy up so it's just a bath nails ears groom out do a hygiene sort of clip and then on the six weekly they have the full clip all oodles should be on this routine in my opinion to be maintained properly and that's an interesting point you bring people think they they don't share but they still lose hair their hair grows to length and then drops off because it's hair versus fur and Sorry to get back onto genetic testing, but we do things from hair length to hair curl now to shedding, low shedding or high shedding. There's improper coat. It's interesting how a lot of these oodle breeders are using a lot of these tests to try and get a definition of their coat when it comes to breeding. Interesting, because they always believe they don't look, they do lose hair. It's just that they don't shed. Exactly right. Exactly right. Mm. And uh, are, there, are there things that, you know, I guess owners can do at home as well versus, you know, what they should wait to visit at the groomer. You know, are, are there things that, you know, they should be doing more regularly and then, you know, then they come to you afterwards to, to do the finished product? Oh, absolutely. You should all have that metal comb, that one thing that I said would be in yeah. every every person's home. You should need that metal comb to be just, just while you're sitting in front of the television, um, watching your favourite TV show, having your dog there and just combing them through. It's just, it's really important. Like everyone says, oh, I brush my dog, but mostly the brushes that they've got just go over the top and don't actually go to the skin. We need to make sure we get down to the skin and comb through our dogs. And that's interesting because I was going to ask you, you know, sometimes there have been people that have gone to a hairdresser and the hairdresser's had a look and found something that, you know, a lump or even a, a mole there. Do you ever groom a dog and find any of these and address them with the owner lumps absolutely every single time i feel like it's it's a prerequisite of my job i feel every single inch of that dog every time it comes in i get to know it i feel like i'm a part of his life um, so I notice things that are different from one grooming appointment to the next and i always tell my clients i've had over the years so many come in afterwards just in tears and saying thank you so much for finding that lump it was a cancerous lump it was this it was that it was something else of course we've always had the good outcomes but then also the not so good outcomes um just a couple of weeks ago before we went into lockdown there was a little dog she was only about five or six years old and i just noticed that all her teeth had just all of a sudden from one grooming to the next all her teeth had just completely rotted and were hanging oh, wanting to fall out so i got the owner to rush her to the vet and she had 13 teeth removed oh, wow is it an expensive grooming bill um <laughs> <laughs> not what they came in and expected came in for yeah well there you, know, there you go there's another thing people don't think about yeah. excuse me is that you you know, while, while you're grooming, you're actually looking over the whole dog's body and can find things that might be um, Absolutely. You know, a health issue. 
Mm, yeah, you know that dog so intimately. Like it's, you know, yeah, any sort of, yeah, minor change is something that, you know, it's almost like mus- muscle memory, I guess. Yeah, we notice. We notice and we let the owners know and they're always appreciative. A question I've got, I've been to shows sometimes and I've seen people using like a little rubber thimble or and they're just pulling out the hair. What's that process called? You know, when you're just not using a brush but you're using more of a rubber um, stripping, um, we call that uh, stripping. <laughs> stripping, stripping, and what, what do you? What, what is? What's the reasoning behind that? Why don't you just use a brush? I'm I'm actually in the middle of trying to learn all the hand stripping techniques. I'm not an expert in this department by any means. Um, it's pulling out the old hair for the new hair to come through, which apparently is. It keeps the the texture of the coat correct for that breed, rather than clipping it or just combing it. It just you can see a dog that needs its hair stripped out because it goes all wispy and fly away and dead, like it's dead. But it has to be manually pulled out for the new stuff to come through and for the layer of the coat to mm-hmm. sit right. Interesting, Nathan. That's I'm thinking maybe. And your griffin, get, your griffin should be stripped. Stripped, yes. And yes. I'm thinking, Nathan, maybe for one of our podcasts, we just do the title, uh, strip, "Stripping Expert." Hand stripping. We will yes. have millions of people tuning in. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I'll they, definitely they tune into that one. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. They won't the know what they're, they're getting themselves the griffin, needs, the griffin needs some stripping. One of the things I find with the griffin is you've got to leave this goatee on it, and every time you feed it, it's got gravy Great. smells and. You know, I'm constantly wiping this thing. Can I? Is there anything you recommend? Can I put in a little boats? It's 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 like there is pluses of it where people go, oh look, it looks cute. It's got a little beard, but the minuses are the amount of food and smells that get in there. Every time my dog has a drink, it ends up all over my floor. So I know exactly how you feel. (laughs) Everywhere. Yeah, I know. Like, do you have to drink so? Dirty Lee and just having it all over your beard and then it just ends up all over you my know, floor. There must be a straw that you can give them and just out of it. Yeah, he learned to use this straw. No tips, Tish, because really, I mean, one of the things I wanted to get was a tip for this for the griffin. If, you, if you find an answer, then can you please let me know for my skies because that would be great. Yeah, it's getting through the fly screen. That's what the, you need, something that penetrates the fly screen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh. But uh, Tish, something I'm really interested to to know is, you know, take us inside the salon. You know, what what does a day in your in your world look like? You know, I imagine it's you know every day is different. But you know, what what does a typical day in the life of a groomer look like? Well, first of all, everything is triple gated. So you come in the first gate out the front, and then you come in the main door, and then you will have another one before you get into the grooming process because we do never ever want escapees. Mm. So I think all groomers can sympathize with um, having a dog that's escaped once or twice or whenever it hasn't happened to me, thank goodness. Oh, but um, God, that's a good point. My because, biggest yeah. my biggest fear is a dog you know, jumping off the table or you, you never know, they could be unpredictable, jumping off and then scooting out the door while someone's coming in they're going out so you've always got to make sure you've at least got double gating in between where you're working and where your doggies um, come in because safety safety first so for us groomers safety is always always first and then once they do come in it's a meet and greet I like to I usually am a bit I don't know rude but I always say hello to the dog first and and then the human second but then I do make a point of um 
getting to know the owner and how they would like their dog to be groomed. Um, if there's anything that they don't want me to do because I offer you know, nails, ear plucking as well as cleaning because the vets send all those people to me to do that rather than them doing it. I don't know why, but they must think that I'm better at it. I'm not sure. Um, if there's yeah, anything that they don't want me to do and then how they would like their dog, if they're sensitive to anything, how they've gone in the grooming process before, if they've been groomed before, I like to ask all these questions straight up so then they can respond with anything that they would sort of like and then um, I take the dog off them and then I say to them that I'll send them a text message as soon as they're ready. Now I'm a one-on-one -on -one, so I like to have all my dogs sort of separated and working on one dog at a time so it's very personalised and then I send them a text when they're ready and then they come and collect them. And Tish, I mean, I'm sure in the salon there's probably been some very funny grooming stories along the way. Are there any any stories that come to mind about your experience, you know, anything that, that stands out? Oh, yes. Yes, one stands out for me a lot. A couple of years ago we had a really big heat wave and mm. the airports and all the flying, they stopped all the bracky breeds going on the flights yes so i had a gentleman come in with his shih tzu that he asked me to turn into a schnauzer <laughs> oh, and so he could go on his air because he was going home apparently he was going home from new south wales back to western australia but they weren't going to allow him on the flight because he was a shih tzu so he said can you please turn my little dog into a schnauzer and i think i did a really good job because i allowed the dog on the flight Oh my gosh! Disguise, clipping by disguise. <laughs> like, has, uh, anyone, has, any, has anyone ever asked you for hair extensions? No, no, I've not no. been asked for hair no. extensions. No. no, that could be another thing. Beading the what about putting beads and bows and? Oh uh, yeah, I do a lot of bows and and bow ties and little and little yeah little pretties, um, oh, but. Nice. Not really much more than that, but turning a breed into a completely wow. different breed, that was fun. That's like an imposter dog. That's crazy. The owners loved it too. I think they decided to keep him looking like a schnauzer from then on. He's been rebranded. And how many, how many dogs would you groom in a normal day? What, is a, what does it look like? So my husband calls me the machine. <laughs> um, usually between eight and ten I will do on a usual day, eight on a, a, like a shorter day. And then on a Wednesday and Thursday, I open longer hours for workers because I don't work weekends anymore. So that's when I'll do up to 10 in a day. Wow. And, and one, one groom could be half an hour, an hour? So usually my little dog, little dog full clip and washers, as I call them. Mm. So that's the works, nails, ears, um, the bathing, blow drying and all clipping and styling. It usually takes me between 45 minutes and an hour. Mm. I always tell the clients that I work on a two-hour appointment system, usually for the first time at least because I don't know how the dog's going to go with me, um, how they go with the grooming process. So I like to leave a little bit longer. But then as soon as they are done, I send them a text message. So I tell them two-hour appointment system, but usually 45 minutes to an hour is what it takes me for a small dog. Large dogs, so you get your standard poodles and your, your big labradoodles, usually between an hour and a half and two hours, depending on their coat length. So if they want them left longer, it'll take longer because the drying process takes a lot longer. Yes. Yeah, fascinating. Uh, the, the, the triple gating makes sense. I mean, I've seen so many mobile vets around, sorry, not mobile vets, mobile groomers around. And I mean, there's not even a gate. There's just like a little, they can hop over. Oh gosh, it, it makes me nervous now. I don't think I could do mobile grooming. It's not for me. I've always worked in a salon. I think I'd 
my, ang my anxiety levels would be a little bit too high on the dog jumping out of the bath and then taking off onto the road. It just, yeah, not something that would be good for me. So anyone that wants to be a groomer, Yes, is it where where would you go? Is it, what courses are? Is there TAFE courses that you can go to? How, what give them some give them, give give someone who's out there who's thinking about a career what where they might go? How to get started? What to do? There are there are TAFE courses that you can do, but I'm not sure if they have much hands-on experience. It's more just the the reading material stuff. But there are, I think I'm not sure, but I think there are now some accredited grooming courses that you can do the master groomer association um sharon hall and julie mcgrath are big with um getting us as a, a regulated trade not just anyone can go and grab a pair of clippers and scissors and call themselves a groomer and can do some salons take on like you know apprentices or apprenticeships or get someone in to train them is that something that Yes, yes, absolutely. Right? A lot of a lot of groomers do that, and that's where I started, and I'm very, very thankful for my start. So, yes, go and approach a groomer and ask if they would mind having a, an apprentice come on and learn the ropes because that's the best place to start. And Tishif, you know, one thing we always ask on what the bark is, you know, if if you, you know, as as a groomer could, you know, send out one message to dog owners everywhere, you know, you could put it on a billboard and, and you know, leave them one thing to take away with, what would you love every dog owner to, to know? Dog groomers absolutely love dogs. But the truth of the matter is not all dogs, in fact, most dogs hate being groomed or hate having a bath. It is not the groomer that they hate. It's not the process that they hate. It's the fact that you are not getting them groomed often enough that they are not enjoying the grooming process. I was actually thinking about this the other day. Every single one of my fortnightly dogs cannot wait to get in and have their pamper time with me. Mm. A regularly groomed dog is a dog that sees it as routine. A dog that's only done two, three, four times a year sees it as torture. It's not the groomers that they hate. I promise we absolutely love all dogs. It's the process of you not getting them in there and being groomed often enough that they feel that it's routine instead of torture. Yeah, they're hanging out for the tish touch. That's it. Yeah, it's like everyone loves their pamper time, you know, if you, and if you go, yeah, if you go often enough, yeah, I can imagine they'd be, they'd be running in to see you. Just a quick question before we sort of start winding up here. You know, all I've got at home, and all I've got is some human shampoo. Can I use human shampoo? <gasps> Please, no. Dogs have what? a different p. Dogs have a different pH to us. We do oh, not God. use human products on our dogs. Please only use dog pH balanced dog uh, pH balanced shampoos and conditioners and products on your dog. All right. Can I use dog shampoo on me? You can try it if you'd like, but you do you, George. You do you. Probably smell nice. Yeah, no wonder I'm at the park. They're all sort of coming up to me. I thought it was the little treats I had. Now, interesting. Well, you know, I thought I'd just put it up because it's the pH. Yes, yes. Dogs have a different pH to us. And without making this a huge advertising spiel for some shampoo organisation, what what do you think I should look for if I am looking for a specific shampoo for a dog? What are some of the, you know, I know there's that word plush puppy, but, you know, outside of plush puppy, you know, what do you think I should, anything, if I go to a pet store, what should I for, without going into brand? 
without going into brand. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm trying. Again, I'm trying to keep this. No, well, we haven't got any sponsors yet, so maybe okay. Oh, okay. Well, there's there for I could easily make it the plush puppy. What the bar? Like for my guys, yeah. I always go for a coarse coat shampoo and conditioner because they are a coarse coated, long coated dog. Then you've got your soft, your softer coated dogs like your oodles and stuff. I'm assuming that you would go for the normal shampoo and conditioner sort of range. Mm-hmm. But without plugging anybody, it's, it's a bit hard. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm trying to keep it, you know, we're trying to be like the ABC here. Yeah. Independent you know, so far. Independence and then later on, if you know, Nathan and I are happy to look at any big corporate dollars to come in and sponsor the show. So if you have a want. if you have a sensitive a sensitive skin dog, go for the oatmeal based oatmeal. shampoo okay. products. Yeah. And do you think it's important to condition after I shampoo? Absolutely. Shampooing oh, opens up the cuticle, I'll conditioner closes the cuticle. You leave the cuticle open, it's open for damage. I've been doing all this wrong. No wonder Charlie's been itching for 12 years of all his life. You know, I was thinking it was the grass at the park. It's the palm olive soap. Oh, I've done a play. Oh, and, and how, <laughs> often, how often are you bathing? Oh, every four weeks. That's I'm good. You should owner. never, I'm, I'm, never yeah, wash a dog I, any more than once a fortnight. Yeah, no, I'm a bit like that, you know. You know, I do my, I do myself once every. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't. these are good. We've got some good tips out of this. Like I, things I would never have known. I take them to the beach. I let them have a swim in the water. They like to rub in the seaweed. That's usually the sign. I've got to bring them home and wash them and things like that. I, I don't salt, do it red, but the salt water is very good for them, but not if it dries on them. So take them home and wash off with fresh water. Oh. That uh, that's something we actually do. Um, you know, whenever we 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 take our little dog to the beach, yeah, we always have to come back, and that's you know they get rinsed, they get you know dried perfectly. So yeah, that's I've 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 learned so much in the last hour, you know, about about the grooming world. I thought Excellent. I learned so much in the last podcast on microchipping. This is unbelievable. You know, I thought you know well, grooming. What is it? I know everything about grooming. I thought before this show, and I literally know nothing. The tish touch is is literally. Um, I'll be thinking about it all, all week, and I'll go home and I'm going to throw out all that crappy shampoo stuff and soaps I've got for the dogs. I'm not going to use them anymore. And uh, and so, Tish, one thing that we always do on on what the bark at the very end is uh, where you know we love to talk about uh, genetics and and uh, and diseases and health testing. And George uh, has a segment that's very dear to his heart, uh, which is uh, George. Do you have your your genetic bible with you? So you've got the book. This is the sort of serious part of the show, Tish, for any any young aspiring uh, geneticist or veterinarian that wants to learn about disease, we have this book where we go through, you know, the top 120-odd diseases and we ask the guests to select a number from 1 to 200. Oh, sorry, 190. 111. 111. 111. We had 111 before. I don't think we have. Now, last time... The odds are in our favour. ...selected the amount of millions he's got in the bank account. And can I ask you, is that why 111... T- oh, 11, 11 is my favourite number. Uh, legs 11. <laughs> yep. Well, interesting. Now, you've selected a number which could actually be part of what you're seeing when you're grooming, oh. and it's called otitis externa, which in brackets is ear infections. And the breeds that are commonly affected by these ear infections, and here it is, it's one page, is 
It starts with the Beagle, the Cocker Spaniel, the, uh, the Springers, the Labradors, the Bloodhounds, the Cavaliers. And it's really um, dogs with long hanging ears are very Obvious. prone to developing ear infections. Absolutely, yes. The ear canal is continually covered by the ear flap and is more likely to stay moist, an ideal environment for the growth of bugs. Bacteria, <laughs> yep. Oh, that's interesting. This is not a genetic disease so much as due to the confirmation of the of the breed standard mm. and effects. So, you know, these basset hounds and how someone's we're rewarding and Big, encouraging heavy dogs ears. with bigger ears. Well, there's an issue with that. It's like a dark, damp environment. Yes. You clean them and wring um, tish to clean and dry <laughs> these we weekly. I've got a plug in there. At least weekly, they're saying. So yes, same as, nail, same as nail cutting. Should be done at least weekly. And interesting here, a raised, tall, narrow water bowl can also help. So it stops them from interesting. Oh, water. their ears ah, dripping in the water. Getting them wet when they're drinking. This is what I love about the way Nettie writes things. Perfect. She's taken mm. everything into account. This is the vet that puts this book together for us. Ear infections are painful. Yes, I know that. And they can spread through the eardrum into the middle ear, where hearing and balance can be affected. Chronic infection can lead to narrowing of the ear canal and total loss of hearing. Lovely. Great choice. Yeah, very relevant. Every time a guest chooses these numbers, they always seem to reflect. In, and I think, Nathan, you're sharing this book with the guest beforehand and Tish has gone through and thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a plug for the grooming industry and picked 111. How could Tish yeah. randomly pick a number that makes no sense and it falls into the industry she it, works into? It's just, I guess, intuition. <laughs> it is. Wow, this is scary. No, lovely once again. I've learned once again, it's another interesting podcast. I've learned so much. It's been fun. It's probably been the one that's had a bit more fun to it than the others. The others were a bit more, not that grooming is not serious, but you know what I mean? It's that fun part of being serious. Oh, I'm now going to go Google dogs with mullets. But no, I think it's it's been great. And I think some really practical lessons and tips for, for all owners to take away as well. Um, so Tish, thank you so much for, for spending some time with us and, and sharing all of your knowledge and experience. It's been great. Thank you so much for inviting me and having me on. Oh, no, brilliant. Thanks, Tish. Thanks, Tish. And, uh, and what we'll do as well is uh, for anyone that's interested in learning more, we'll put uh, the Tish Touch details uh, in the show notes so you can check them out. Uh, but once again, everyone, thank you for, for tuning in to What the Bark and we'll see you again next week. Mm -hmm.